Hello, and welcome to Off the Mat. I'm Melissa Mitchell, the founder of A Yogi Kitchen. And this month, we've been talking about asana and pranayama, which are poses and breath work in yoga, um, to help us with our brain health. And so we're going to talk about that a little more today, and also talk about what's coming up next month. And it's almost time for my self-care week, which I'm super excited about. And if you're new here, I'm going to explain what that all is in just a moment. Okay, so uh, first off, just some business kind of stuff. We have two more classes for this session left. Um, I just wasn't thinking when I made the original schedule that Sunday's Halloween. And for those of us who don't have little kids, I thought, well, people are going to want to practice. And then what I'm finding out is that even people who don't have little kids are because it's a seven o'clock practice central time. So I thought, well, if you were going to go out, you're going to go out later. Um, but the people I know who are somewhat regular Sunday people, um, they're going to be with neighbor kids. They're going to be with their nieces and nephews, um, grandkids. So I've just decided we're going to do Thursday tonight at seven o'clock is slow flow. And then we'll do Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And it's slow flow. And then I'll take my week off. So I have this aha moment a few months ago to take a week off every four weeks. So and I would take that time off for myself to just do the things that I need to do to stay focused and stay um, motivated and inspired. And what I found is after taking that first week off, I think I just took a week off and then it made me think like, why don't I do this every month? I took a week off and then I was like, wow, I come back and I'm so full of ideas and I'm excited and I'm more, um, my thinking is more streamlined about how I want the month to go. And it's just really helped me to break it down and think of it that way. So I think the first month or so, I just took that week off and I barely did anything else work-wise. I took naps and I took long baths and I went for walks and I got back into a really strong habit of getting to the gym every day. And so what happens for me is that week I'm like, okay, here's my like self-care intensive. So I do all these things that are really great for me. And then I start teaching again and I'm really like excited about it. And, you know, granted, I only teach like five or six hours a week and whatever private clients I have or whatever people ask for pop-ups. So, but total, it's like 10 hours where I'm actually on the mat, probably maybe a little more once in a while. So it's not like I'm so overwhelmed by teaching, but I do other things. I blog and I cook for community um, pantry in town. And so it's just that time to step away from all of that. And then I'm pretty good at keeping up with all my, my self-care work the next week. By the third week or the second week, I'm back actually the third week since my, my of my intensive. Um, it starts to wane a little bit. And then by that fourth week, I'm like, I think I might sleep in today, which is a nice self-care act, but um, it's not like a, I'm not staying really, really motivated towards work. And so it's working really well for me. Um, and every four weeks that I do this, when I take that week, I'm getting better at self-care. And then I'm also getting better at keeping those things going um, throughout the next four weeks. Not great, but better. So it's all progress. Um, so that's my self-care week. And I take this, I've mentioned this before. I've, I've uh, explained it in other episodes. Um, I took this idea from a business coach and mentor that I had, oh, six, seven years ago, Jennifer Lee. I still follow her 
on Instagram and we're Facebook friends and I can't remember where else I follow her. But um, she used to take a half day once a week. And that just doesn't work for me. It's, it's too much shifting gears. So if I can do four weeks of like, you know, a lot of work and still, you know, having daily, making sure I hydrate, making sure I eat well, get into the gym as often as I can, you know, still doing that stuff. But then if I take four weeks to really work and then a week off, I'm not switching gears so much and it makes it a lot easier for me. Um, if that makes sense. So this month, this session, we've been talking about asana and pranayama yoga poses and breath work. And I haven't been podcasting that much because even though I have taught a yoga session on a podcast episode, um, it is, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, especially since the idea around this is that if you're somewhat new to yoga, here are some great poses and some great breath work for you to do. But I did want to pop on today and just talk about some of the poses we've been doing and how we're sort of making a little bit of a shift this last month. So one of the things we're shifting around is how we talk about our mental health. So I, I was talking to my therapist the other day and she recommended this great book for me and it's called ADHD 2.0. If you have ADHD or have people in your family who have ADHD or your partner, it is worth getting. It's a great book. It's written by the Hallowells who are sort of ADHD specialists. They're therapists who both have ADHD and they're one of the first people to write about ADHD in the early nineties, or I guess back then they called it ADD and ADHD. And um, I have a bunch of people in my family, in my life who have ADHD, and it just has helped me understand their brains and just the human brain in general. And my partner asked me, he's like, why are you reading this? And, um, well, the, the funny thing about him asking me that is there are some things I was like, Oh, that sounds familiar. Oh, am I ADHD? And my therapist was like, no, I don't think you are, but we all have some of those things. And the book actually explains that how on some level, it's like a spectrum that we all have some of the things that ADHD people, it just, how much it affects your day-to-day life is what the diagnosis is about. So when he asked me that, I thought that was kind of funny, but I also said, well, you know, I I like to learn about the brain. And so this is, you know, learning more stuff about the brain. One of the really awesome things about this book is um, they talk about how ADHD is like a superpower. It's not this illness. It's this really awesome way of being able to live your life if you can learn the tools and the skills and or be medicated to help you manage it really well. And along with all of this, I've been following this doctor on Twitter. Oh, I cannot remember his name right now. It'll come back. Um, Who has been talking about, not only is there such a stigma around the words mental health or mental health illness, he's like, it's really not a correct term for us to talk about how our brain works. Like, let's not talk about mental health. Let's talk about brain health. So I've really started to make that shift and think about brain health. And then along with all of this, I was talking to a student that I have who has ADHD and it's in her family. And I said, you know, as I'm reading this book and I was telling her, you should check out this book. And as I was reading the book or as I was telling her this, I said, you know, I have to wonder now, like, is my stuff all trauma stuff? Is it all PTSD stuff? Is it anxiety? And some of those, um, 
some of the traits they talk about with ADHD are also traits of PTSD or trauma responses or of anxiety. And she said, you know, I just think we're sort of all on a spectrum. It's all one big spectrum, whether you have ADHD and trauma or anxiety and depression or anxiety and ADHD and trauma, it's all some sort of spectrum. And you just have to figure out, you know, how you manage your life, regardless of what your diagnosis is. You know, if some ADHD people and in her house, they're super ADHD um, proactive, they have quiet spaces, they have lots of structure in their family, they have ways to manage when you're having a tough day, because uh, she has kids and they all have ADHD also. And so um, I just thought that was really like, that's the thing. When she said that, I thought that's the thing that's going to shift the stigma around mental health illnesses and just managing your mental health. Um, you know, we all have to manage our mental health, just like we have to manage our physical health. And somehow that message is just not getting across. So we've been talking about brain health. And so I've been feeling like the answer isn't how to heal your PTSD or anxiety, but it's how to find your superpower based on where you are in that big spectrum. So um, one of the things that's always been true for me probably since about college, maybe even before, a little bit before college, um, I've always had what I call time anxiety. Um, it's that thing that when I used to have to work at like 5.30 in the morning, uh, you know, I'd wake up at three, I look at the clock, I'm like, okay, I can get two more hours of sleep. And you know that how that goes. Then you wake up, like you look at the clock 10 minutes later, okay, I can get an hour and 15 minutes of sleep. So I've had that around sleep and it's a lot better than it was back then because now I set my own schedule and I don't have to worry about waking up so much. But I'm also just very aware of time. And my partner is the exact opposite. He will get distracted, start doing something because he walks into a room and he sees something and then he starts some kind of, it's not necessarily a project, but just something that needs to be taken care of. There are dishes in the sink. So I'm going to take 10 minutes right now and just put them in the sink. When I'm like standing at the door going, we needed to leave to go to our friends for dinner five minutes ago. Like, what are you doing? So instead of looking at this as, wow, I get really anxious about time. Maybe it's that my superpower is I'm really great at managing time. And so if I just kind of say, that's my superpower and I'm going to help you, you know, when we need to go places, I'm going to just be like, Hey, we need to leave in half an hour. Like, what do you need to do in half an hour? So we can actually walk out the door and just, I'm the person with that skill in our relationship. And he has so many skills that I'm not so great at. And I have a lot of skills that he's not so great at. So let's, you know, like be a superhero couple and, and manage that way. So this month then, um, we've been working on poses and pranayama to kind of help with that. So it's not necessarily to heal your brain. It's to like uncover your superpower because we all have superpowers, right? We're all, and this is something else I've been talking about a lot lately is we, you are an individual. You are, there's nobody else in the world just like you. And I think that's such like an exciting thing to think about. Like nobody else thinks about yoga the way that I do or teaches yoga the way that I do. And, and sometimes that's been, people get like upset about it because they're like, I tried to go to yoga classes while you were out of town and I couldn't find anyone who teaches like you. 
And I, you know, so it's my superpower. I'm really great at explaining yoga and doing yoga, practicing yoga in a different way than other people do it. And so I just need to really, you know, love that and accept it about myself because it is a superpower. And the people that um, come to my classes and I really resonate with them, they're not getting that anywhere else. So I am providing them this the service that they're not going to get anywhere else. And that's true for all of us. You have gifts and talents that nobody else has, or nobody else is going to present them in the way that you do, or how you do, or where you do. And so it's really important, I think, to get quiet and get really focused on our superpowers and um, be present with how they can enhance your life and how they can enhance the people around you, their lives. So whether it's, you know, just being a better parent, being better at your job, quitting your job and going, you know, starting your own business, whatever it is, how do you want to use your superpowers? Um, And how do you want to contribute to your community and to the people around you? So when talking about asana and pranayama this last week, we've been talking about things that you can do to sort of steady the brain and feel more grounded. Because when we're feeling more grounded, then we're more willing to take some leaps of faith in our lives. So whether it's going for that promotion that you've been wanting for a couple of years, but you think, oh no, it's never going to be me. So why even try? Um, Or it's just, you need to feel steady and grounded to like deal with your crazy household and all the kids doing 15 million things and, you know, basketball practice and gymnastics and Girl Scouts and, you know, all the crazy things that we're running around doing with our, I mean, not crazy bad, but crazy, like schedule wise that we're doing for our kids and with our kids. Um, So studying the brain really, really helps being able to accomplish what you want to get done. So the first pose that I was taught, and I talk about this pose all the time, you're probably sick. You're like, give me something new. But the first pose that I talk about all the time and that I was taught for this reason is legs up the wall pose or Viparita Karani. So that's a pose um, where all you do, and you can do this in your bed against a headboard. If you don't have a bed headboard against the wall, it's perfect. Um, or you sit on the floor and you just swing your legs up the wall. So I sit on the floor with my hip as close to the wall as I want. I can get comfortably. And then just, it doesn't have to be graceful. There's no rule in yoga that it all has to be graceful. And you just swing your legs up the wall and then you adjust yourself. So I have very loose hamstrings. I was born that way. So I can be right against the wall. My sits bones are touching the baseboard when I'm there. My partner, not so much. He's born the other way. He has very um, loose quads. Like he can sink down into almost any pose where I'm like really struggling. His hamstrings have a little tightness to them. So he's always, oh, four or five inches maybe away from the wall. So his legs are at a little bit of a, a ramp and that's perfectly fine. There's, there's no way that it's supposed to be. You find the way for it to be comfortable to you. I was taught this pose because there was a time uh, when I first came to yoga, like 20 some years ago, where my kid was little, she was a toddler, preschooler, and I was doing a lot of silly things like leaving my keys in the freezer and um, forgetting I had the dog with me in the back of the car uh, and just, you know, kind of chicken with my head cut off kind of thing. And someone said, you need to do legs up the wall, Viparita Karani, because it will help you leave your last activity behind fully. 
and then be completely present in this moment. Um, it helps steady the brain. And it's, it's also, it's just kind of a magic pose. Um, it increases circulation. Anytime you're increasing circulation, you're detoxifying. It's getting lots of blood rushing to your head, not rushing, but going into your head, which is going to oxygenate your brain, which is going to help it work better. It's going to help you um, feel a little less foggy or fuzzy. It's going to help your thoughts be a little more condensed. So sometimes I feel like I have a hundred thoughts flying in a hundred different directions. When I do a pose like that, it kind of just brings it back in where maybe I'm having a hundred thoughts, but they're not going in all different directions. They're kind of, you know, more about the same subject or couple of subjects. So that's one that I think is a really great pose. And it's also one of those poses that teaches you to slow down because you stay there. And I would say stay there. If you can build up to about 20 minutes, that would be awesome and do that 20 minutes every day. People who practice this pose regularly can get off of their um, blood pressure medication. And of course, do not do that without talking to your doctor. But whether you're on blood pressure medication for high blood pressure or low blood pressure, people who consistently do this pose can get off their meds. Um, so it's really great at helping balance the only thing you need to watch out for. Well, there's three things. I shouldn't say the only thing. One, if you feel any pressure behind your eyes, that is a really big sign. One, you shouldn't be in it. And two, you need to go to your optometrist. Um, it can be a sign of glaucoma. If you're feeling any pressure in your ears, um, you know, I don't think it's going to do anything like your eyes, um, but it, it, it just, it's not, it's not a good place for you to be. And it's not comfortable. And if you're not comfortable in a pose, you're not going to get the benefits from a pose. So you want to don't do if you have that. And then, you know, people get sinus pressure and pain in their sinus cavities. And I think that's a personal decision. I, I don't think there's any harm in doing it. If you have sinus pressure, um, and it just depends, you know, maybe some mild sinus pressure is completely reasonable and you can relax through that. But if you're really, really congested, it might feel like it's too much. So use your best judgment about that. Then the big thing you need to walk out, watch out for is popping out of the pose too fast. So you just want to roll to one side and rest on your side for like a minute, 45 seconds, and just relax. Even if you come down and you feel really yummy and you're like, oh, that was great. And you're ready to jump up. Try not to try to just pause for that moment. And if, if anything, it's again, that lesson, that thing we do on the mat, that's a lesson that we take into the rest of our world. Like take a moment to pause. You can take 45 seconds. There is like, unless you're in some kind of emergency situation, you're a doctor in surgery. I don't know. You're a firefighter. There's very little you can't pause for 45 seconds for. So take a moment and just pause for 45 seconds, minute and a half. So that's one really great studying pose to help steady the brain. And the steadier our brains are, um, the better we process, um, the better, better our memory gets. And while true hyperactivity with ADHD is fairly rare, um, it will help with hyperactivity. So the next two that I have um, are balance poses. So they're not quite as relaxing as legs up the wall, Vipruta Karani. Um, but they're actual, you want to get on your mat to do them. Whereas like Vipurita Karani, you can do it at work. If there's a conference room, if you have your own office, uh, you could do it before you go to bed against your uh, headboard. You can do almost anywhere. 
Uh, and things you actually can do almost anywhere, but they're actual poses that are going to make you probably want to go to your mat. So um, the first one is tree pose, Vrikshasana. So I think everyone has a pretty good idea of what tree pose is. And all you're going to do is you're going to stand on two feet, nice and balanced. So I encourage students to kind of take the weight forward and take the weight back and just find that place in the center where the weight feels nice and balanced on both feet first. And then you're just going to lift one foot and you can put it anywhere you want on your body. So if balance is an issue for you or flexibility is an issue for you, you might just put uh, one foot on top of the other. So if I'm standing on my left foot, just gently put my toes of the right foot on the top of my left foot and just kind of balance in that way. And you can keep the knee pointed straight ahead if you'd like to, or you can open the knee all the way from the hip and have a little hip opening pose. The other place you can put it is um, the sole of your foot against the curve of your calf at the side of your leg. And then you're going to go ahead and obviously you have to open your hip to do that one. And the last place is you can bring your heel all the way up to the groin. And so what you're going to do is you want to find that space between the bone of your pelvis and where the muscle of your inner thigh starts. There's kind of a space with, it's like a little gap right there. And you just fit it right in there. And again, that's going to be a nice hip opener. The one place you want to absolutely avoid is putting your foot on your knee. And I think I've said this in an episode before, you see it in pictures all the time. It's on the cover of magazines, but it's not good for your knee. And it's not probably going to hurt you today, but if you keep doing it over time, it's going to weaken your knee and it's not good for you. Um, so I'm not sure why people use photos like that. I mean, I do know because it looks better. It looks more attainable. Um, it's supposed to be encouraging, but it's not good for you. So that pose is one. So what you're going to do, sorry, let me continue. So once you have your weight shifted and your foot where you want it to be, you're just going to soften your gaze. You can look at any point in front of you down at the floor. Some people really prefer to look up at the ceiling or straight ahead. Just look at something and soften your gaze and just relax, really press through that standing foot. And I find it really helpful to kind of contract the muscles and bring them in towards the bone, anything like below my um, my belly button. So I'm contracting my um, leg muscles, I'm contracting my glutes, I'm pulling up on the pubic bone a little bit, and that's gonna keep everything nice and aligned. And see if while you're doing all of this contracting, you can relax everything sort of above the belly button. So you can slide your shoulder blades down squeeze the scapula together just a teeny bit, just a tiny contraction. And you're lifting your head up towards the sky. And then that can be your pose. If you would like to grow branches on your tree, you can do that. Um, the arms can stay at their sides or they can kind of come out to cactus arms. You can bend your elbows and have cactus arms. And that's a nice one, especially if you have back issues because then you can really squeeze the scapula even a little more and fire those muscles and getting those rhomboids fired is gonna help them release and have a little relaxation. Or you can also just grow your branches up, straight up to the sky, fingertips lifting up towards the sky and just breathe and relax into it and hold it as long as you comfortably can. And then whenever it feels like it's enough, go to the other side, 
And then when you're all done with this pose is an awesome time to grab your journal and just write about how your brain is doing. How are you feeling? So I used to teach for USD 497 here in Lawrence, Kansas. And I taught anyone who had insurance under USD 497. So teachers, lunch ladies, librarians, um, custodians, and if their spouses also had um, insurance through the district, then their, their spouses also. And uh, I had a bunch of teachers say, when my kids come in from recess, we all do tree pose. And they quiet down like that. Like I've, I've never been able to get them to quiet down as quickly as when I had them do some yoga right after recess. So it's a great pose if you've got kids. It's a great pose if um, I tend to be more distracted later in the day. So that's a great later day pose for me. The thing about that for me is I'm better at balancing in the mornings than I am in the evening. And play around with it. You may find you're better in the evening than in the morning. Um, a lot of people take their glasses off to teach or to do uh, yoga, to practice yoga. And many people find that if they try to balance the other glasses on, they, it, they have a much more difficult time. It's a lot harder without your glasses on. So if you're really struggling with balance and you wear glasses, you might try putting them on or you might try taking them off. See which works best for you. The other thing is people with eyesight injuries, some eyesight issues, sometimes turning towards a wall and looking right at a wall will help with the balance. Um, and I have some kind of weird eyes. There's a lot of stuff going on with my eyes. And I have found that if I stand facing a wall pretty close, like a foot away from the wall and do my pose like that, my balance is much better. And of course, you can always just reach out and touch the wall or stand really shoulder close to a wall. Just the fact the wall's right there will help you feel more balanced. Um, you could have a chair, hold on to the back of a chair while you do your pose. Nothing wrong with that until you get better at at being able to um, sustain a, a balance pose. So the next one's also a balance pose because balance poses are excellent for steadying your brain. They're also, they are great at strengthening your legs. Um, the leg that you're standing on is really working hard and that's an awesome thing. And also people get really frustrated when you wobble. And what I say in tree pose is, well, you're just swaying like trees do. So don't worry about that. But the other thing is when you do wobble, you're really working your muscles quite a bit more than if you could hold the pose super steady for a long period of time. Um, so, you know, the goal is to sort of be steady. But if you are wobbling, don't get discouraged and don't beat yourself up. So the final pose is dancer pose. So this is one, it's called Nata Jarasana. And it's easy to find. And the best, what I do even, when I want to go and see like contraindications, or even if I need spelling, like I'm blogging and I need a spelling for a pose, is I go to yogajournal.com. And they have a really great index of poses, all the contraindications, easy, simple ways to get into the pose, um, and of course, the spellings. So dancer, it's an easy one to, to just Google dancer pose, and it'll pop up in your images. Um, so there's lots of different levels to this pose and you should accept yourself no matter where you are in this pose. Um, so this is another one. You, you come upon something that possibly is a little difficult for you. And the issue isn't, I'm going to work so hard to make sure this pose is perfect. You may get there one day, but really what you want to be able to do is accept who you are, where you are in the moment. 
that to me is the work around some of these bigger poses. It's not about doing the back bend or stretching the quadriceps. It's about the brain and the heart. How much can you accept who you are, mind, body, spirit in this moment? Accept, love, honor yourself in this moment. Not thinking, oh, I'll love myself when I can do dancer pose. I'll love myself when I can lose 30 pounds. I'll love myself when I'm married. Can you love yourself in this moment right now? I think that's the huge work of yoga. So this is another steadying pose. It is also a back bend. So the first thing you're going to do is just like tree pose, you're going to find your balance on both feet first. And then you're going to go ahead and pick up one feet, foot and shift your weight. And you want to bend your knee so the heel comes back towards your glute. And that may be your work, is just standing on one leg with that knee bent, especially if your quadriceps are tight. Like even just bending the knee may give you enough of a stretch that you need to stay there for a bit. If you're feeling pretty comfortable and you want to go further, you're going to reach back and grab. I'm going to stand on my left foot. I'm going to grab the ankle of my right foot. And I have pretty tight quads. So this has been my place for a bit, like when I first started doing this pose, this is what I did is I just stood there on one leg and held my ankle and felt the uh, stretch on my quadricep. That's a great pose. As you get more comfortable, you're going to still standing on one foot. You're going to start pushing that other foot that for me, it's the right one up towards the sky. So you're going to do a back bend. So think about when the skater, the ice skater reaches back and holds their skate behind their head and spins around in a circle. This is the yoga version of that. So what I really want you to watch and be careful of is whether you're taking that foot straight back behind you or it's going out to the side. And you see it in pictures a lot where they're opening the hip and they're going back out to the side. So it doesn't matter how deeply you go into this pose. If you're opening your hip like that, you are never going to get the skate behind your head pose, right? So we need to keep the hips square in this pose. If you just want to experience the big opening of the back bend in this pose, go ahead and open your hip. But the real work to getting further and further into this pose is to keep opening from, oh, I would say, the collarbone all the way to the toes. <laughs> so you just want to, you know, it's a big, it's like a wheel, it's a standing wheel. Um, so just, okay, well, I don't know what happened there. I might've lost internet connection for a moment. Our internet, it's been raining in Lawrence, Kansas for like over 24 hours right now. Um, and it's just been kind of a drizzle sprinkle kind of thing, but, um, which is good. It's slow and steady and good for the farms, but I think that might've affected my internet. So anyway, we were talking about not a Jurasana, dancer pose. So come in and out of the pose as often as you need to, to kind of help, um, with the standing leg. Cause that standing leg is working really hard. So what I would do, especially when it's new um, I would suggest that you stand in it, hold on to your ankle, kind of play with it, see how your balance is doing, and then relax out of it, shake it out, go to the other side and go back and forth from side to side until you've worked on it as long as you'd like to. So if, so this is a really nice hip flexor, um, stretch. And I think the reason a lot of people open their hips, it's what, um, 
Yogi Gary Kraftsa, he's a yoga therapist out of Hawaii. What he teaches is that opening of the hip is a release valve. Your body is going to get you into almost any position you want to get into, depending on how determined you are. It's just whether it's going to do it safely and comfortably. So if your hip flexor is tight, it's going to be easier to open the hip in not a Jirasana dancer pose. But then you're never going to get the stretch in the hip flexor that you obviously need. Um, so nice hip flexor stretch. It's a really big zoas stretch, obviously a big quad stretch. My issue for this pose is obviously my quads, quadriceps. They're always trying to think, are they the tightest place in my body? They are. And, you know, I can, I can lay down in, in deep restorative poses like um, hero pose. I can lay all the way back. And so I can do poses. It's not stopping me from doing poses. It stops me from finding some ease in poses sometimes. So I've been working on my quadriceps a lot this year. We've been working on splits. This is our last week to work on the splits. Um, so join us. Join us tonight and on Sunday, and we'll, we'll work on splits a little bit more. So those are the three poses um, that are really great for steadying the brain uh, that I've been teaching this last week. There's lots of other poses. I really like those. Um, Part of what happens here in that steady and grounding feeling is that we're pressing the foot into the ground. However, you may also find doing hand balances are really nice for steadying your brain. Um, I don't teach a lot of hand balances and I don't do them because I have arthritis in my hands. And so it's just not a great pose for me. Um, I think we might do a little bit more this next session, but we'll see. So that those are the poses, and I think we're going to stop there, and I will um, talk about pranayama breath work tomorrow. So if I tell myself that, I'm more likely to actually do it than if I think, oh, I'll, I'll podcast again sometime soon. I love podcasting, and when I am talking, I'm thinking about certain people that I know listen to my podcast, and I think, oh, I'm talking to you. Um, so I love doing it because if you can't tell, I'm a talker. We're, we're loud in my family and we're all talkers in my family. Um, so I like doing it. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what stops me from, a lot of times I just don't think about it. And I'm like, Ooh, it's been two weeks since I, I podcasted last. So I'm really trying to get in the habit. And I know I've been saying this for months. I've been trying to get in the habit of podcasting more. So we'll talk more about pranayama tomorrow. And then um, I'll probably podcast while I'm on my week off because the other part of my week off, my self-care week, it's just not teaching classes for that week. It's being able to focus on things like blogging more, or I'm working on a couple of workbooks for the big class that's coming up, Breathe Online, which is uh, eight, 10, I haven't figured it out completely, eight or 10 weeks of managing your mental health. And I'm making that shift now. Instead of managing your mental health, we're going to focus on uncovering your superpower or digging out your superpower. I don't know what we'll call it um, in terms of brain health. So that's a shift. So I haven't, some of the things that I thought I knew about it are, are shifting. So I'm going to work on that this next week. I am, however, doing pop-ups. So if you want a pop-up, happy, happy to do it. I will teach a class anywhere from six in the morning. I would do five even. six, Five, six in the morning till the latest I want to teach a class is a class that starts at eight o'clock central time. Those are all central times. Um, so if you, you have a request, and I know that really sucks for people on the West Coast. Um, so I would do it occasionally, but I'm not going to teach a regular class. 
like later than eight o'clock in the af- in the evening. Um, so feel free to ask for a pop-up. My number is 785-760-5412. And all you do is um, text me. And if you're brand new, you've never texted me before, make sure you tell me your name um, and what time and what kind of class you want. And then I text everyone else and we have a pop-up. So um, that's what I'll be doing next week is pop-ups. And I put it out there still. I'll put it in the text list. Uh, Sometimes I put it on Facebook, not always, if we're going to have a pop-up. So it's worth being part of the text list because I always, I always text them and say, hey, pop-up on Tuesday at 7.15. I think that's all. So I'll talk to you. Oh, I know the other thing I wanted to say is, okay, so we're going into November and it's been a lot of years, but about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I used to always take time in November to um, talk about gratitude and to help us focus on gratitude. And we often do meta meditation. Um, So I'm going to be working on that this next week, Um, poses that'll help us connect gratitude and I know that uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be teaching a grief and gratitude yoga practice, a yoga workshop. And so I'm thinking about all that. We've had, a, it's just been, you know, two years, a year and a half of a lot of stuff that's gone on that is, we need to do some grief work to help us, you know, move past it. And the best time to work on grief and trauma is when you're in it. Um, it's it's been shown scientifically been shown to be uh, more helpful to your brain than if and a lot of times like when we have a loved one dying we think I just need to get through this and that's completely understandable we think I just need to get through this and then I'll I'll worry about how I'm feeling mentally emotionally like in a few weeks so we get through everything and then after the funeral happens is when we go oh, okay now I can breathe and you're overwhelmed with sadness and and trauma and then you probably are out of sick days or days off. And so you have to go back to work and you don't really get the time that you need to work on it. So we're going to do that uh, in November. I used to teach a grief workshop for years in person in Lawrence, Kansas. And I thought, well, we could do that online. So we'll do that in November. I'm also going to do joint freeing series in November. We're going to be talking about gratitude. All right. I will talk to everyone tomorrow. Um, Please, if you have enjoyed this session, like it, subscribe to the podcast, share it, put it on social media, text it to your friends. Um, It just helps people. The more people who listen, the more people who like it helps other people find it. And also because this one is fairly new, um, this podcast is fairly new. My old podcast was just called A Yogi Kitchen and it's still available. You can still find it wherever you listen to podcast, but the off the mat podcast um, is new. So it's not on all the platforms yet. I think I'm on like six or seven platforms. I think the last one was on like 12 platforms. So the more you like it, more people who subscribe makes it easier for other people to find. All right. I will see you on Zoom tonight. Um, All the information is on the website, ayogikitchen.com. We're meeting 7 p.m. Central and 10 a.m. on Sunday morning Central for Slow Flow. And then again, you can ask for a pop-up next week. Have a really awesome Thursday. Bye.